Lacrosse Public Library Archives presents Dark Lacrosse Stories, a series in collaboration with the Lacrosse Tribune. Dark Lacrosse is a suite of programs that feature the seedier side of lacrosse history and also include a downtown walking tour, a trolley tour, and an annual stage production with new content each year. has gripped him and just about every night we hear him coughing. <coughs> My daughter and I can hardly find any rest because of the racket. Several times every night we hear him coughing. <coughs> it's not just the coughing. We have to listen to him walking around the house and slamming doors. It's enough to drive one batty. (coughs) The ladies in my bridge club don't know how I stand it. I have to agree it's very upsetting to hear Arthur carrying on like that all night. But I have to admit the most unnerving thing about all this commotion just about every night from Arthur... (coughs) is the fact that he died over a month ago. Throughout Lacrosse's 165-year history, countless tales of visitors from beyond the grave have been shared around kitchen tables, campfires, and cozy hearths. Yet there are some Lacrosse ghost stories that have made headlines. In 1905, the Lacrosse Chronicle told of a specter on Logan Street. Neighbors reported the house being bathed in a mysterious white light and an apparition, shrouded in white from head to toe, appeared in the top window of the vacant house and waved its ethereal arms as if warning the neighborhood of impending doom. The frantic gestures were witnessed by several Northside residents. The ghost appeared in the empty house for several nights. If an onlooker had gathered enough courage to enter the property, the light and the apparition would disappear the moment they placed their hands on the front gate. No one, however, was in doubt of whose ghost was appearing. Nicholas Holmbo hanged himself in the top room of that house almost one year earlier. It was rumored that Holmbo, a young man employed at the Lacrosse Plow Company, was crazed with drink and persecuted by his creditors. He lived with his elderly stepmother and supported her financially. On the night before his final act on earth, many people saw him stagger up the street toward his home at about midnight, and that was the last time anyone saw him alive. After his suicide, the house remained vacant for some time. The house, reported in the Lacrosse Chronicle in 1905 as haunted, still stands to this day. In 1901, the lacrosse Republican and leader shocked its readers with the harrowing tale of stout-hearted watchmen abruptly leaving their position at the George Pierce plant on lacrosse's north side. The reason for resignation? The ghost of George Pierce. 
George Pierce was living above his factory when pneumonia snuffed out his life in 1894 at the age of 63. Rumored after his death was that poison secretly administered by his mistress was the true cause of his demise. She was named the sole beneficiary of his fortune. George Pierce's son would later contest the will and, after a long and lengthy legal battle, he would strip her of his father's money in 1897. Four years later, a terrifying spirit with the ability to hurl objects several feet began unnerving the night staff. They reported several incidents when a loud whooshing sound followed by cans, metal, and other objects being jettisoned around the spacious plant and then ending with the sound of wild and raucous laughter. (laughs) Many residents dismissed the story as just that, a story. Then in May of 1903, more ghostly reports from the plant on the west end of Hagar Street graced the pages of another local paper, the La Crosse Daily Press. A group of young people were walking past the plant and heard groans and cries for help. Uh, Help me! Someone, please help me! Two brave boys scaled the outside wall and entered the large dark building in order to give aid. It was pitch black. Then they heard the voice again. Help me! The boys reported being frozen in terror as the apparition of a hunched elderly man drifted toward them but dissolved into nothingness before their very eyes. That story would be the last ghost tale produced by the factory on Hagar Street. The building was raised in 1915 and is the current site of the Hydrite Chemical Company. Since there were multiple newspapers at the time, different bits of this story come from different reporting. This is a challenge we often have faced when researching stories prior to the La Crosse Tribune becoming the sole newspaper of record for the La Crosse area. While having only one newspaper to rely on for the definitive reporting on a story streamlines the research process, it also leaves open the possibility that important information is being missed simply by not having a competitor who leaves no stone unturned trying to get the scoop. Sensational stories like this would have sent reporters for the multiple newspapers scrambling in all directions, trying to talk to anyone who was even tangentially related to the events being breathlessly reported day after day. The challenge in the research here then, with multiple newspapers covering the same story, is that a reporter for each could talk to the same person, and that person changes their story, whether intentionally to save face unintentionally based on the questions being asked, or perhaps more innocently, simply because it's hard to tell the same story multiple times exactly the same way. Here's a classic joke that Marcus Brick Pomeroy, editor of the Cross Democrat, played on readers in 1861 that highlights sensationalism in print media. Many circuses came to towns all over the United States and attracted a great many people to their shows. Lacrosse was no exception, and it hosted several circuses each year. On August 20th, 1861, an article appeared in the Tri-Weekly Democrat about the Dan Rice Circus Troupe and their 4,000-pound train rhinoceros. During this time, steamboat travel was easier than railroad transportation, so traveling by steamboat up and down the Mississippi River was the preferred method when possible. The steamboat carrying the Rice Troupe from Prairie du Chien to La Crosse on Monday, August 11th, was jostled by the wake of another steamer. In the scuffle, the cage holding the rhinoceros was knocked into the muddy Mississippi. 
newspaper editor Pomeroy decided to embellish the story and claimed that no one found any sign of the big critter. Pomeroy stated that by Saturday of that week, in a slough about five miles south of La Crosse, the rhinoceros had taken up living there and came out of the water to eat in a farmer's cornfield. The animal frightened some men who were working in the cornfield that Saturday. A later story on August 30th described how men, including an agent of Dan Rice, captured the rhinoceros and brought it to La Crosse, where it was housed in a stone stable while a new cage was constructed. After that was accomplished, the rhinoceros would be sent to rejoin the circus troupe in Milwaukee. Accounts of this incident in other lacrosse papers tell the somber truth of the story. The rhino drowned. However, Brick's fake news story spread as gospel out east, propagated through his New York-based newspaper. Were the ghost stories you heard fact-checked? You be the judge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>